WOR New York. Time now for What's Your Wrinkle with your hosts, Dr. Michael Roizen and Dr. Arthur Perry. Dr. Roizen is the nation's doctor. He's a former medical school dean and is the chairman of anesthesia at the Cleveland Clinic. And Dr. Mike's the best-selling author of Real Age, You the Owner's Manual, and You on a Diet. Dr. Perry is the nation's plastic surgeon, the author of two books on plastic surgery, and the longest-running plastic surgeon on the State Board of Medical Examiners. Dr. Perry has devoted his practice to making you look better. And now, the hosts of What's Your Wrinkle, Dr. Michael Roizen and Dr. Arthur Perry. And welcome. Welcome to What's Your Wrinkle or You, the Owner's Manual. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry, and with me is... I'm Dr. Mike Roizen. Hey, Mike, today we've got some fascinating things to talk about. Well, we've got a lot of things to talk about. We can talk about how we changed from What's Your Wrinkle to You, the Owner's Manual radio show, or about human growth hormone, bioidentical hormones, the procedures in plastic surgery that are losing popularity and those that are gaining popularity, cellulite removal, does it work, the recent data about aspirin preventing colon cancer, and even how to pick a plastic surgeon if they can't find you, Arthur. I'm tired already. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. Well, let, let's get started. Let's let's talk about cellulite first. That's such a hot topic. But, you know, Mike, before we get to cellulite, we've got to give out the phone number. It's 212-528-0129 here in Manhattan, WOR at 212-528-0129. Cellulite. What do you think about cellulite? Is it real? Is it not real? Well, cellulite's pretty real. I can see it, right? <laughs> but I get asked all the time, and I've been seeing many ads lately for a procedure called meso, or is it mesotherapy? Uh, it's supposed to be a non-invasive method to remove fat in the cellulite area, that is, the back of the thighs. What's your, first of all, what is cellulite, Arthur, and what's your take on mesotherapy? You know, I always thought that cellulite was really not real. But, you know, as it turns out, if you cut into it and you put it under the microscope, well, researchers at Rockefeller University really did find an anatomic entity that we call cellulite. And what it is is fat that herniates into the dermis. And the dermis is the, the second layer, the underlying layer of the skin. But the bad news at Rockefeller University is that they didn't find any difference between the fat's structure or its metabolism. So because there's no difference between cellulite and normal fat, no medicine can get rid of it. So what is mesotherapy and why does it claim to get rid of it? Uh, well, you know, mesotherapy is really supposed to be the holy grail of, uh, of plastic surgery, one of those great procedures that is non-invasive and can really get rid of fat. But you know something? Uh, it's been practiced for almost 50 years now, but there's really no science to it. And, and I'm going to create a lot of controversy by saying that because the statistics in plastic surgery just were released by the American Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgery last a uh, couple of days ago. And mesotherapy, well, there's almost 20,000 procedures in the United States last year for a procedure that's unproven, Mike. I am not doing mesotherapy. The American Society of Plastic Surgeons have has stated that it's an unproven procedure and pot a potentially dangerous procedure, and they've advised their members not to do mesotherapy. Now, saying that, uh, the mesotherapy, 29,000 is, is the exact number of procedures done last year, 4,000 the year before. So there are people around the United States doing it. I think it's only a matter of time till there is a death from mesotherapy. And you know as well as I, being an anesthesiologist, you've seen drugs immediately kill from anaphylactic reactions. And I think it's only a matter of time. Well, 
if it's only a matter of time, then let's, what do people do about cellulite? Is there any answer for cellulite? Well, again, the holy, rail in plastic, the holy grail in plastic surgery, the procedure that is non-invasive that can get rid of cellulite, no, there really isn't anything yet. The only procedures that are proven are big lifting procedures like tummy tucks and thigh lifts, but they're invasive procedure, they're risky procedures, and uh, right now there's no medication and there's no laser and there's nothing that can non-invasively get rid of cellulite. cellulite. I'm sorry to tell the audience that tonight. So, like every other thing, we've, we hear it with pooches, you know, the abdominal pooch. There's no spot removal. You know, where you lose fat first when you lose weight is around your kidney and in your neck. And I haven't seen anyone do either kidney crunches or neck crunches. <laughs> so, I guess there is no spot removal even for the back of the thighs. Yeah, not yet. But uh, we talked about on this show several months ago a non-invasive ultrasound technique that shows a lot of promise, and I think uh, it's focused ultrasound. It comes from two different angles, and uh, it focuses underneath the skin into the fat. It takes a long time to do the procedure, but we can remove between 150 and 200 grams of fat during any session. Now, to put it in perspective, liposuction, we remove, as you know, about 2,000 grams, two liters of fat in any session, and some people remove even more. So wait a second. This removes 150 to 200 grams, right? Which is like uh, it's bare—it's barely what I uh, would would see in a <laughs> restaurant at a with a little with a thinned steak, right? You know, you know, but. It's a procedure that probably will be repeated a number of times, so people will go back every couple months for a, 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 a touch-up procedure. It's called UltraShape. We had uh, the inventor of that machine. He's an Israeli doctor, and he came on the show about six months ago, and we talked about that. So it's a procedure that maybe four, five, six times you'll go. Uh, you know, where I see the benefit to that type of procedure is in touch-ups. After we do liposuction, there's often some little irregularities of the skin, and that's a procedure that can maybe save a patient from having to go under the knife and have a repeat procedure. Now, do you do that in your office? Well, this is a procedure that's still not FDA-approved. So when it comes to the United States, I will be doing it. And uh, I think I'm on the list. I've asked uh, <laughs> the uh, inventor of the machine to put me on the list because I think it does show some promise. So if it's proven, you will do it. Yes, yes, definitely. I think that's a, a, a very interesting thing, and I think the demand will be very, very high. You know, liposuction is the most common co cosmetic surgical procedure in the United States for many years running now. Even more common than Botox? Uh, surgical procedure, you're right. Botox is definitely the most common procedure. There were 3 million people in the United States that had Botox last year. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for you to do mine. Uh, you know, uh, the audience doesn't know this, but you're sitting in Cleveland. I'm sitting in New York, so it's uh, it's a little difficult to get. Uh, that's a long needle, but uh, when, we, <laughs> when we get to uh, when we get together, there's some Botox coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I want it. I'm going to have to have you examine me first. Well, we don't do Botox parties here, and we don't do Botox on television. So, yeah, it's it's important. Uh, and speaking of that, um, Botox is a medical procedure. And you and I have both seen vasovagal reactions from injections. And uh, I always cringe when I hear of people doing Botox at parties, in hotels, on television. Not a great idea. Uh, I'm sure you, know, you could tell us some great stories about vasovagals that resulted in some, some bad things. So we don't want to do that in a uh, social situation. So. Well, I should, we should tell people that we're on opposite sides of the screen much of the time. I'm an anesthesiologist as well as an internist, and you're a plastic surgeon. 
So you saw that article on the fight between an anesthesiologist and a surgeon this week? Oh, it's my uh, my favorite story. Uh, <laughs> it was up in Massachusetts. The the, pla- the uh, surgeon and the anesthesiologist got into fisticuffs in the operating room. The patient was under anesthesia, and the nurse had to watch the patient until they uh, were able to be separated. And that's not the only story like that. There was a story in uh, in Europe just a week ago. Uh, where two surgeons started fighting with each other in the operating room. Well, we won't do that, Mike. That was Noah. <laughs> yeah. who, said, who said we won't do that? <laughs> well, Wait a second. At least we won't we won't fisticuff fight, but at least we can verbally fight over some of the subjects. Well, I'm sure we will. Uh, you present an incredibly academic approach. Uh, the audience may know you as the author of You, the Owner's Manual, You on a Diet. How many other bestsellers have you had? Well, we've had uh, three number one and a total of six bestsellers. But, uh, you know, the, I've displaced Harry Potter twice from the Amazon list for over uh, a week at a time. So that's my real claim to fame, displacing Harry Potter. Well, that's great. The phone number here in New York is 212-528-0129. We're going to break just for a couple minutes. Sarah, stay on the line. When we come back, we'll answer your Botox questions. Welcome back. This is You, the Owner's Manual radio show. Tonight we're calling it a number of things. What's your wrinkle? We've got with us Dr. Michael Roizen, who's my co-host this evening. Dr. Roizen is an anesthesiologist, and he's chairman of the anesthesia department at the Cleveland Clinic. And Dr. Roizen, are you still on the line? Of course. How could I lose you? (laughs) Sarah, you've been hanging on the line for many, many minutes now. What can we do for you? Um, I wanted to ask two short questions regarding mm-hmm. botulism, uh, uh, rather regarding the Botox. Oh, well, let's hope it's problem, not botulism. <laughs> is there any problem with uh, because they because I understand that it derives from a certain kind of a um, a bacteria that's perhaps associated with uh, botulism? So I wanted to ask you about that. That was question one. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, uh, let's answer that first. Uh, you know, there's never been a case of botulism from Botox because there's no bacteria in uh, in Botox. It's a toxin, yes, and it is derived from those bacteria, but you can't get botulism from a Botox injection. In fact, it's an incredibly safe drug. There are very, very few side effects from Botox. Most of the side effects are really cosmetic in nature. Now, you might have heard uh, about a year or so ago the press incorrectly caused uh, caused really a, a little furor in the Botox world. Uh, there was a doctor, an unlicensed doctor, uh, I believe in Florida, who injected Botox-like substance, not Botox, but actually industrial-grade botulism toxin into four oh. patients, and they wound up in the intensive care unit on ventilators. All of them thankfully survived. Now, that wasn't Botox. In fact, he used many thousands of times over the safe dose of, uh, of Botox. So, Okay, Sarah, what's your next how, question? Well, Arthur, before she goes on, how do you protect yourself from docs like that? Oh, that's that's a great question. You know, it's so important for people to know who their doctor is and and what their credentials are. Board certification is the first step in uh, in uh, determining whether a doctor is a capable doctor. And uh, in the Botox world, well, we want our doctor to be certified by either the American Board of Plastic Surgery or the American Board of Dermatology or there are also plenty of very good otolaryngologists, ear, nose, and throat doctors, and ophthalmologists that are doing Botox. So those are the four specialties. We need to know that the doctor is board certified. That's the minimum criteria that is uh, is 
uh, appropriate for someone to be injecting Botox. And from there, we look at their training, we look at their background, and we often have recommendations from other patients. All right, Mike? You got a great answer. So let's go back to uh, is her second Sarah. question. Sarah, yeah, I, 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 was, I, I was very interested in hearing about the ultra shape. I did read about it. I wanted to ask you if um, that device can be used on the face where if you have some fat deposits um, around the lower cheek and you wanted to get a more defined look. Do you think that that could be used towards uh, getting that result? I'm sure, result? Sarah. I'm sure eventually it will be used in the face. Right now, it's uh, it's used in Europe. It's used in Israel, uh, and it's used in the thighs and the belly for the most part. And I know people are already using it in the neck, so I'm sure it'll come that way. Thanks so much for uh, calling this very interesting radio show this evening. With uh, We are here in New York with Dr. Michael Roizen, and I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. And, Mike, what's the story? Uh, I heard this week there was a very interesting uh, article about aspirin. Tell us about it. Well, the article was a review of aspirin and colon cancer, and it said that if you were just using aspirin to prevent colon cancer, you shouldn't take aspirin. And there was a review two weeks ago on aspirin and prostate or breast cancer that say the same thing. And a review about two months ago on aspirin and stroke in women and said the same thing. And the problem is that each of them are counting the risks. So there are several benefits of aspirin and only one set of risks. And there's a way actually of minimizing the risks. So in fact, there is a benefit for taking aspirin. It's like fragmentation of science. We talk only about the colon with one scientific group and only about the prostate or breast with another scientific group and only about uh, the brain, if you will, stroke. Don't even talk about the heart with that. So aspirin, if you take two baby aspirin with a half a glass of water before and after, you minimize its side effects and if you and the reason you take it with a half a glass of water before and afterwards is because the side effects are the aspirin itself landing on your stomach lining and it decreases the risk of heart attack by about 36% in men and stroke for about the same in women and it decreases the risk of breast cancer and prostate cancer in randomized controlled uh, the gold standard studies by between 25 and 35% in men or women respectively and colon cancer by about 35 to 40% as well as stomach cancer and duodenal cancer and a whole bunch of throat cancers so other things as well so you get if you look at all of them together when we call it making your real age younger, you make your real age about 2.2 years younger if you're a 55-year-old man or woman with typical risks by taking two baby aspirin a day. Wow. You know something? Uh, I bet you if aspirin cost $25 a pill, you'd have drug companies uh, hammering us to take aspirin every day. Do you think uh, one of the reasons that we're not hearing that aspirin should be used every day is because there's not a great financial incentive behind it? Well, you know, the Bayer Aspirin Company tried to get a indication for it with the FDA. And it was a group of 15, I believe it was, people on the panel. And it got turned down 13 to 1 for an indication of preventing heart disease. That yet in low-risk people. Yet when the Wall Street Journal asked every panelist afterwards 
um, did they take aspirin? Every one of the panelists took aspirin. So even though they didn't tell us to take it, they themselves took it. And I think that's the, the bottom line is it really has stood the test of time. And if it was more expensive, you'd be seeing a ton of ads for it on TV. And uh, how many aspirin do you take a day? I take two baby aspirin, which is, or half a regular aspirin. I actually take half a regular one because I use a pill splitter and cut it apart um, with a half a glass of warm water. And why the reason why I warm t- water? Yeah, warm water because it dissolves fastest, and that reduces your complication rates. Seventy percent of the complications from aspirin are landing on the stomach lining or dissolving against the intestinal border and causing ulceration and bleeding. And if you take it with a, um, if you take it with a uh, glass of warm water, it lands in the warm water and dissolves there. Okay, so the lesson tonight, aspirin, take it with warm water. My name is Dr. Arthur Perry, and we're speaking with Dr. Michael Roizen, and the phone number here at WOR in New York City is 212-528-0129. This is your chance to ask Dr. Roizen a question about you, the owner's manual, or about his real age book. This is it, 212-528-0129. We will be back after these messages. And welcome back. This is You, the Owner's Manual radio show, and it's also What's Your Wrinkle tonight? We have Dr. Michael Roizen, who is the best-selling author of You, the Owner's Manual, and You on a Diet, and Real Age, and there's other bestsellers in there. I think you've got how many in the top 100 right now, Dr. Roizen? Well, at one point last week, we had uh, six in the top 100 on Amazon, but right now, all we got is two. There are some, some that are just outside. That, that's absolutely incredible. I saw you on a diet tomorrow's New York Times. It's number three, uh, so it's still up there in the uh, in the top ten. That's that's terrific. I think that's eighteen or nineteen weeks in a row. I get confused. Incredible. And uh, and Dr. Roizen wrote the forward to my book, which will be coming out in a few more months. And uh, maybe maybe it'll get in that uh, list. Who knows? <laughs> well, let's see, uh, Mike. We've got uh, Vera well, on it, the line. It, it's good enough to get in that list. The, the, the question is, is the WOR audience big enough to get it in that list? 93,000 people from Maine to Virginia. That's what I tell people. I'm not actually sure of that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's going to check? <laughs> Vera, what can we do for you? Hi, doctor. Thanks for taking my call. I have a twitch on the lower eyelid, which radiates under the eyelid and onto my cheek. I had understood that Botox would control the twitch, but also could result in developing a um, drooping eye. Is and that's, that true? Uh, yeah, both of those things are true. Botox is a, it's a great treatment for twitches like that. You need to find yourself an ophthalmologist who does a lot of Botox. They'll do better at that than a plastic surgeon because they're, they've got to inject those muscles uh, just absolutely perfectly and not get the complication of, it's called an ectropion. That's a pull down of the lid. Mm-hmm. And if too much Botox is used or if it's used over too broad an area, you could get that problem. So uh, I think Botox is, is the best solution to that problem. Good luck to you. Is there any other solution that you know of? None. None. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why Botox is so unbelievably popular. It sounds like an advertisement for uh, for the Botox company, but it really is a unique drug. Okay? Well, good luck to you, Vera. Mike. Now, Arthur, before you go from that, I thought you said a very important thing. When you're dealing around the eye, especially with twitches and unusual things, 
that you really do want a board-certified specialist, and when you're dealing with twitches of the eye, you really want an ophthalmologist. Right. And, you know, the people that are most familiar with Botox are called oculoplastic surgeons. So they've got training in plastic surgery on top of their ophthalmology education. So uh, that's who I would go to uh, for that particular problem. What was that long word again? Oculoplastic surgeon, another one of those great medical terms, oculoplastic. Mike, now, now, Arthur, let me ask you a question beforehand. Mm-hmm. Your father had uh, smoked, didn't he, when you were growing up? Yep, he smoked for many years. Now, that's secondhand smoke. Would you get one of those CTs? There was just an article in the New England Journal this week. Would you get a CT scan to check out whether you've got an early lung cancer from that secondhand smoke. I think, you know, it's a very controversial topic, as you know, but I did get a CT scan because my father did have lung cancer, and thankfully... I'm sorry. Yeah, but it was found very early, hadn't spread anywhere, and you know, Mike, he was back to work three weeks, <laughs> three weeks after a surgery. My blepharoplasty patients take longer sometimes. So, uh, but I went and I did have a CT scan to, to assure myself that uh, there wasn't anything, and, and there wasn't. So I'm, I'm in favor of that. I have a very good friend who is a doctor who developed a, a lung cancer, and uh, he's very young. He's under 50, and uh, we had a discussion years ago about that CT uh, scanning technique. And, uh, you know, it's possible that uh, if he had had that CT scan years ago, he might have found the lung cancer at a very, very uh, early stage. So uh, I'm, I'm greatly in support of that. But now the controversy is he also might have found a false positive adrenal tumor or false positive something else, and the false and so the the risk of being operated on or being pursued for something else is what the controversy is about. Right. You know, and and it's gone both ways, as you know. In the last year, there have been articles going both ways, saying that it's one a good idea and two it's not a good idea. So I don't think we really have the answer yet to that one. Would you do it? Um, well, you know, my father smoked. And I have avoided doing it. I know what the false positive rate is, and so I've been waiting for studies to come out. Um, I have, it's interesting, I got a chest x-ray when I was about to go to college, and it was read infiltrate with compatible with pneumonia. Mm. And I got, a, luckily in those days they didn't have CT needle biopsies, all they had was tomograms. To this day, my chest x-ray reads infiltrate compatible with pneumonia. It's just one of the abnormalities I live with. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think this one uh, will take a few years to uh, solve. Well, we've got about 50 seconds left to the show. This has been an absolutely terrific show. I want to thank you so much for joining me this evening, and you'll be on many, many, many more shows. Uh, my guest tonight is, has been my co-host, Dr. Michael Roizen, who is author of You, the Owner's Manual, You on a Diet, and six other books that last week were in the top 100 of uh, the New York Times. Well, this about wraps it up, Mike. I know you're going to be doing some TV appearances this week. You'll be on what shows? Um, the View on Tuesday and Good Morning America on Wednesday. And I'll be appearing at the Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital Operating Room. <laughs> I won't be on TV this week, but we'll be watching you. Thanks so much. We'll be with you next week for another edition of You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show.